0: It's nice to be um, here again. So uh, my name's Ruth, and for those that weren't here when I was here a few months ago. Um, and I live and work in Dagenham, um, so not that far away. Um, and I work for a church and community centre uh, called Kingsley Hall. And um, yeah, it's kind of got a long history. It's been there for 90 years. Um, but very recently, over the last five to six, seven years, God's been doing a new thing there, and um, I joined four years ago, actually. Uh, well, four years in January, which is crazy to think that it's been that quick. Um, and I'm the community pastor there, so I oversee some youth work. I oversee uh, some part of the church team, and we we do. We've started church planting since we've been since I've been there, so I'm part of the church planting team. Um, and yeah, I love my job. Um, it's the reason I live, really. Um, well, God is the reason I live, but uh, I do love my job and I feel very blessed to be part of that. Um, I'm 20, I'm 25 um, and I've been married for just over a year. So we just celebrated our one-year anniversary, which is crazy to think how quickly that's gone as well. Um, I'm very blessed, actually. I get to work with my husband, so my husband's part of the church team as well. Um, so, yeah, very blessed. So it's great to be here today. Before I start, and it's nothing to do with uh, what... Um, what I felt God give me to share with you today, but as that song was playing, um, I just started to like cry, and I asked God like God, why am I crying and I felt God said for me to share this, and this last year, for different reasons, has been quite difficult in many different ways for me, and some family situations, some personal things that have gone on and i didn 't know that song until probably about six months ago, and but that song I've sang over my life, I've sang over my family, I've sang over situations that are beyond my control. And I felt God was just saying that for the people that were sharing before, um, particularly for kind of the the people in our family that we're praying for and we're we're looking for God to change, just begin to sing that song over their life and like sing Waymaker, miracle worker, light in the darkness. My that is who you are. And yeah, and then the bit in the song when it says even though I don't even when I don't see it you're working, even when I don't see it you're working. Like even when you don't see God move in that situation, He is working in that situation. Even when you don't feel it, sometimes I'm. I think as women particularly, we're very feeling dread like led. We're very emotion led, and I think that's beautiful. I think that actually men need to learn a little bit of that. But at times. Like, my husband says to me, he goes, Ruth, you just need to let your emotions just, like, be your emotions. Like, you don't need to, it doesn't matter, like, you're feeling like this now because actually, like, you're beyond that. The situation is beyond that. And um, he is actually very in touch with his emotions as a as a man is. But, like, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't feel that God is working in a situation, even when you don't feel it is working in your life or your family's life, like, he is And so sing it over it, prophesy over it, prophesy, way maker, miracle worker, light in the darkness. That is who you are. And I just really felt like I needed to share that because just as everyone was sharing, I think there was a, I think God kind of, I was just listening to that song on my way and like, just because it came up on my kind of, my Spotify playlist. But actually that God just was really wanting people to know that today, really know so that you could go back and you can sing that over your situations. Um, So, yeah, just wanted to share that. But actually what I felt the Lord was sharing. So I get the privilege as part of my job to to share quite regularly um, within our different churches. And I kind of made a deal with God that I wouldn't really share something unless I really felt God wanted me to share it. But I'm also a little bit of a control freak. And so I like God to tell me about it week before two weeks before at least a few days before um and God has taken me on a journey with this over the recent years that actually he doesn't always tell me when I want to be told um and that I should learn to trust in him for it and so I've known that I'm coming here for probably six seven weeks so I've been aware that I'm coming to share and um I've been asking God and I've been saying, God, what is it you want to share? Because I feel that God wanted to use me to give you a message today. And um, so I've been praying and praying and reading my Bible and praying a bit more and seeking the Lord and trying to do all of that thing. And God's just not really been sharing it with me. And I'm sharing this because of today because I want to be real and say that God hasn't really given me much of an answer um, until 3 o'clock this morning when, yeah... (laughs) Praise the Lord. Uh, And I try not to prepare until, I kind of try not to prepare something until God has given it to me, because I don't want it to be what, I mean, I can read, there's lots in the Bible, it's great, we can learn amazing lessons from it, but actually there's, I think the word is very living and active and wants to kind of share the living and active for you today. And obviously, if I'd woken up this morning and I hadn't sensed what God was giving me, I would have sought God and given you something but um, I kind of leave it until God's given it so I woke up at three o'clock this morning and I was I usually sleep like a baby Um my head pits the pillow I'm asleep I sleep until my alarm goes and then I sleep about half an hour after my alarm goes and I usually sleep like a baby and I woke up in the middle of the night and I was just really restless and I was just if you ever got it where you are just you know God's about to speak but you're not He's not quite speaking yet. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I was waking up. And then at half past five, I woke up and it was either a dream or it was me speaking it. I'm not even sure. Um, I, I have quite vivid dreams at times. And I just felt God say, or not even say, just like God's heart for you. His heart for you. And he was like, it was almost like he was crying and he was saying, I just want them, I just want them to surrender a little bit more. I just want them to submit a little bit more. I just want them to be a little bit more intimate with me. And I felt God was just saying, I just, the quiet place, I, I love, I love the quiet place. I love the quiet place, the secret place that you have. He loves it. And he's, he just wants a little bit more. I believe that God is jealous for our affection. I believe it's not a jealous, like we understand jealous. It's not, we've distorted the word jealous to to be a bad word, but it's not, it's a very godly word. It's a very, it's in the Bible a lot. And actually in Exodus chapter 34, verse 14, it says, you must worship, this is God saying this to his people. You must worship no other gods for the Lord, his name is jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. And I just woke up this morning, and to be honest, it doesn't. God doesn't often speak to me in this way. And that's why I kind of knew it was of God. I hadn't even thought about what I'm actually speaking on before. To be honest, what I was going to speak on was very, very different. And as le- unless God had spoken to me, I would have prepared something on that. But God just said, I'm jealous for your affection. I really want to be more intimate with you. I really want to be have a deeper relationship with you, not because I'm a controlling God, but because I'm a loving God, slow to anger and rich in love. And he just really wants today for us to, to rededicate ourselves to our first love. The Bible talks about the first love. I know, and it's something that God has shown me that actually we can, when we... Maybe we love our children, if you have children. Maybe we love our family. Maybe we love our husband, if we have a husband. But actually, there's a love that goes beyond all of that, and that is the love with our with our Father in Heaven. And actually, Michelle kind of said it, that she has had to learn through the pain of life that actually the only person we can really seek our affection from is is from God. And I just felt that God wants to just realign us to him again to bring us closer to him again and he was when he when I woke up with that feeling it was like a burden it was a burden to to encourage us all encourage me encourage you to remain in him to find that to find that secret place it's great community I work for a community center I work for a church that is very missional very focused on the community and so I'm absolutely 100% for church being together and the importance of fellowship and the importance of other Christians in your life to kind of move you forward with God. And without that, I don't think we can succeed as Christians, to be honest. But it's got to be more than just that. Our life has got to be more than just fellowship. It's got to be a very intimate, secret place because if we don't have that, when the fellowship is removed, what is left? There's not very much left. So I'm just going to read from John chapter 15, uh, verse 1 to 8. And I'm aware of the time. So I'm going to try and share an amazing passage of scripture quite in a short period of time. So, um, yeah, it says in John 15 to 18. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit is it, if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. It's a powerful bit of scripture. It's a powerful scripture, and it's talking about actually the importance of recognizing who God is and who we are. Actually, God is the gardener. Jesus is the is the is the vine, and we are the branches. It's not me who's the gardener and God's who's the branches. No, actually, we are born to be connected to God. God created in the beginning and the um, in Genesis, and He. He made us out of his image. He made us in his likeness so that we could be connected to him. And obviously, if you if you know the Bible, which I, I think most of you do, um, actually, sin got in the way. Adam and Eve chose to, to elevate their position and actually to become more than what God had intended them to be. They wanted to be closer to They wanted to be more like God. But actually, what they did is they, they did the thing that God told them not to do. And since then actually the connection between god and his creation god and his man and woman made in his likeness has been has been broken the connection has been gone but jesus made a way where there was no way that we could be connected once again to the gardener that we could be connected once again to the vine and actually the vine is jesus is everything for us Jesus has an incredible destiny for every single person in this church, in this room, in, your, in, your, in, in this community. He has an incredible one, and we begin to see that. We begin to see the fruit of that when we are connected to him and we stay connected. To remain in him may, means to have a deep and connected relationship between, him, between ourselves and Jesus, and ourselves and the Holy Spirit, and ourselves and God the Father. It means to recognize the status quo. It means to recognize that we are not God and we are not in control. Like I said, I'm a control freak. But I have to recognize that being a control freak isn't fruit. It needs to be removed because if it's not removed, then the fruit of God cannot come out of my life. When we recognize that we need to stay connected, we realize that we cannot exist without the other two parts. As a branch, we cannot exist in our, in the with with fruit on us, without being attached to a vine. We cannot live. You cannot live. I believe. I believe this because I can see it. In my, I've seen it in my own life that actually we cannot exist. We cannot be fruitful. We cannot have a peaceful. We cannot have a life-given life. We cannot have a trouble-free life, even when there's trouble, without being connected to the vine and allowing the gardener access to our life. It can only happen when we cultivate a secret place of prayer. It can only happen when we cultivate a very deep relationship that actually we will begin to trust in God even when the world around us is falling apart. Now a situation happened in my life about three months ago and it sent the world around me up in airs. Actually it wasn't as big and dramatic as I felt it was at the time. It was very painful at the time. And... I would not have got through that unless I knew that God was in control, unless I knew that I could trust in him. And situations can happen, and they throw us off balance, and they throw us off key, and actually it's the enemy trying to not get us where God wants us to be. You see, you have a destiny over your life, and the enemy does not want you to fulfill that destiny, but actually God has a greater plan. And when we choose to trust in him, when we choose to submit to his will, uh, my husband was speaking on Sunday evening and he, he said something and I hadn't really heard it before. Submission is sub, is to come under. If you think of like a subcategory, it's like below the category. If you think of a submarine, it's below the surface. So submission is to come below a mission, to come below God's mission, to place ourselves lower than the mission of God, to place ourselves lower to be, to be humble and allow God's mission to prevail. And actually, when he shared that, I was like, wow, I hadn't really thought of it that way. And actually, the world has kind of distorted what the word submission means. But actually, it's a very godly principle. And I felt God today just say, like, he wants us to know that we can trust in him, that he is a faithful God, and he's jealous for our affection. Secret places, the word secret places comes from a Hebrew word, to mean which is sether, like C-E-T-H-E-R. And this means to hide or to be concealed. Throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, this secret place is used numerous times. A secret place that actually God has a secret place for all of his believers. And it means for us to hide or to be concealed by God. It means us to conceal ourselves in the presence of God, to hide ourselves away in the presence of God. It is used to communicate the need for people, for the people of God to hide or conceal to God. Even when the world is difficult. And this secret place is something that God is wanting to stir more in us. Maybe you're amazing. Maybe you spend an hour a day, two hours a day in this secret place. You know, what I've learned is there's always more. <laughs> there's always more that God wants to give. And actually, the secret place is also to be concealed and to like. So, therefore, when we. When we face situations that are really painful, when our family faces situations that are really painful, we can conceal ourselves in the presence of God, and that means singing "Way Maker, Miracle Worker," light in the darkness, even when actually your situation doesn't dictate that. The presence and glory of God is beyond our ability to perceive, and so, if, but He gives us a way of communing with Him. But we must meet him in the secret place. We must allow our hearts. It's not just about spending the time reading your Bible. That is the secret place. But it's actually when we allow our hearts to connect with the Father. When we allow our hearts to just to be real, to be vulnerable. Actually, I've learned the importance of vulnerability with God. That actually we can say to God, God, this is really hard. God, I really want this. God, I don't understand this. Rather than just building these barriers in our heart, that actually means that we can't connect with the Father. Don't forget, we're just branches. We're not meant to live on our own, we're meant to live connected to the vine. The Bible makes it clear that prayer, fasting, and giving are all things that should be done in this secret place. And in Matthew chapter 6, God gives his people instructions on how to do these things. It's important that the things that we do for God are done from this place. They're done from the secret place. Because otherwise, why are we doing it? What is our motive? But the incredible thing is God blesses us even like when we don't tell people that we do things, when we don't pray publicly loads, but we do it in our private life, we do it in our hearts, God blesses that. He hears that. He is desperate for your intimacy. He really is. He's desperate for my intimacy. So the what else this passage in John says is about refinement and about kind of the pruning process. And... Each one of us in this room, um, I don't know if I'm the youngest, but I might well be the youngest, um, at different, but we're all at different stages, right? We're all at different stages of our walk. Some of us have been Christians for a week. Some of us have been Christians for 30 years or more, or 50 years. Wow, incredible. And each of us are at different stages. However, there is something in common between all of us, and that is that we're all human, right? Everyone in the room is a human. Unless there's an angel and we're entertaining an angel and we're not aware of it, um, which is would be incredible. But one thing that unites humanity is that we all have tendencies to sin. We all do. We all have tendencies to turn from God. And that is the very reason why Jesus needed to come into the world, because the Israelites had a tendency to turn from God. And I remember when I was earlier in my faith, like when I was reading the Bible, I was like, Oh, these Israelites, they're silly can they don't they just know that God is in control? Don't they just know that God's gonna do everything that they say? Why have they walking round in the wilderness for 40 years? But you see, they're no different. We're no different than them. We have a tendency in humanity to to turn from God. And that's been the case. And as we begin to go along the journey of being a Christian, um and at all stages of our Christian walk, God makes it clear that the gardener will cut the branches off. He will prune them back. It says he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. So anyone that knows anything about gardening will will know the importance of the pruning process. I know nothing. I actually tried this year to uh, to do like an allotment with some of the homeless guys that came to our centre, and to be honest, I killed them all. I think I got about four courgettes and about twenty tomatoes, and the rest of that they all died. Um, and probably was a little bit of a waste of money. But we we tried, and we I learned a lot through the process, and the guys really enjoyed it. But I don't really know very much about pruning, but but my husband does. And um, at our wedding, we had little orange trees on our table. And we kept a couple of them, and we kept a, we had some olive trees as well. For some reason, we must really like trees, um, and so we had some olive trees as well, and we kept some of them. So, anyway, this last year, since we got married, uh, my husband will regularly go around, and he just like cuts off all of these like tree, like this tree, and I'm like, Tom, it now looks ridiculous. Like, why are you doing that? Like, before it was like nice and green and looks amazing. And then he goes back and cuts it, and like honestly, there's like no leaf left on the thing. I think he overdid the pruning, but actually he said to me, he said, the reason I do that is because if we want to see new fruit in that, I have to prune that. I have to cut back. And this is a very similar principle to who we are as believers. If we want to be truly effective and truly fruitful for the Lord, we have to go through this process you see in john 3 verse 30 it says he must become greater and greater and i must become less and less god must become greater and greater in our life and and our humanity the thing that is the sin the sin in us needs to become less and less we're all in the process of seeing this like played out and just today i just felt like god um gave me like just wanted me to say that if you're in the process of being pruned it's okay pruning process will always hurt because it's, it's cutting away our pride. It's cutting away our emotion. It's cutting away our humanity that says, I want to do it my way, not, not God's way. But if you're in that process of that, then he's with you. And what he wants you to do is to draw closer to him. He wants you to connect with him more in the secret place. He wants you to come under the shelter of the most high. He wants you to be underneath the shadow of his wings. What he doesn't want you to do is just turn away. You see, it's really important to recognize that Jesus says that those that bear fruit will be pruned. The reason you might be going through the process of being pruned and what I mean mean by that is that maybe there's parts of your character that God's just really asking you to kind of refine and I know in my life like maybe the control freakness of me Like God wants to prune that because that's not in itself is not good. That in itself, that's not good for who I am. That's going to limit my walk. That's going to limit the fruit that I produce. And so it's really, if you're going through that, know that you're only going through that because God sees good fruit in your life and He wants to see greater. You see, we're all born to bear fruit. What I mean by that, we're all born to to bear the kingdom of God and to show the kingdom of God to people around us. Is so we can produce much fruit. In, this, in the passage it says, For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. When we stay connected to him and truly stay connected, when we allow our inner hearts to communicate with him, then we will produce much fruit. Much fruit will come from your life. I don't know who said it. I think it might have been D.L. Moody, but I'm not sure. Um, But my boss, Chris, quite regularly says it. And he says that there's this, like, someone who was, like, really... uh, No, it was John Wesley. Sorry, it was John Wesley. And he said that he would never allow anyone to go into ministry unless they, like, Pray for two hours a day, and that's incredible right i don't I don't pray for a solid two hours every day at all um, and Chris uses it to encourage us to to find that space and I just encourage you all it's difficult, and some of us have more difficulties more more kind of time problems, but actually find that space in your life, find the space to connect with him on your own. Find your space, your time, the time to, to connect into the vine and to allow the gardener to do what the gardener wants to do. The grapevine was used by Jesus strategically. The reason why is because a single vine would support numerous branches. And these numerous branches would spring like off from this vine and there would be great fruit, there would be great grapes. And in the Old Testament, grapes were used as clear imagery of Israel the people of God being fruitful and doing the Lord's work and God has a plan to use you to do His work. God has a plan for you in his kingdom and in order for you to to see that fulfilled to the full extent, we need to be fruitful. We need to allow God to, to grow fruit on our on our branch. times Israel when Israel was in line with God and they were abiding in him and obeying and sticking by his covenant God viewed them as a very fruitful nation it says in Ezekiel chapter 19 verse 10 your mother was like a vine planted by the water's edge it had lush green foliage because of the abundant water its branches became strong strong enough to be a ruler's scepter it grew very tall towering above all others it stood out because of the height and its many lush branches God's people, this is the promise over God's people that they can stand out amongst other people, that you can look different. It is that you can have lush and green foliage. It's that you can live a very full and satisfying life. It means that you can be strong enough to resist the rulers in this world trying to defeat you. It means that you can be living in the abundance of his living water. But we can't do that if if we sin. We can't do that if we don't stay connected. The see, Israel, The Israelites, their first problem was that they turned from God and they started worshipping other idols. And idols is anything that we place beyond God. Anything that we actually, with our time, we spend more time on that than we do thinking about God what goes on in Ezekiel 19 is actually the vine was uprooted in fury and thrown down to the ground. The desert wind, the desert wind of, of the world that we live in, it's a desert place, actually dried up the fruit on the vine and tore off its strong branches so that it was withered and destroyed by the fire. And then it was transplanted into the wilderness where the ground was hard and dry and a fire burst out from its branches and devoured all of its fruit. Its remaining limbs are not strong enough to be, to, to resist the ruler. And it's quite dramatic, and I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but what I'm saying is, is that when the Israelites chose to go against God, and they didn't prioritise that relationship, that actually they, they lost the life-giving water of God. And as kind of as I finish... I'm just going to read in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. And it says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. And this was read by John to the Ephesus church. And God is calling us to always have him as our first love. To always place him as our highest priority. to, To be desperate to spend that time in the secret place. To love him. In the same way we did when we first came to him, to have the same zeal as what we had when we first came to him, we can lose that, and it's—I I know that I know that. I've been in ministry like here for four years, and I can tell you, at times, when you forget to remain in God, you lose the zeal. And I'm someone that works for a church. I get to pray every single day, like with my colleagues, like with my. Brothers and sisters, not my colleagues, but like but actually God's just calling us into that deeper relationship with Him. He's got a burden for that because He is a jealous God and He is jealous for your affection. It's so we can see the glory of God. You see, it says in that right at the end of verse eight, it said it's the fruit, we get the fruit because it glorifies the Father. Your life can glorify the Father. God has chosen to reveal his glory to his people. It's unbeknown to me. I don't understand why God, who's perfect, would choose to reveal his glory through me, but he does. And he does it through you as well. But even Moses, we can see through this example, I'm not going to read it because it's quite long, but in Exodus chapter 33 that actually Moses had to go into the secret place for the glory to go past him so he could even see it because you see God is so glorious and we are so not. And actually that secret place is where we're going to see the fruit. It's where we're going to see the God's glory come. It's where we're going to see the situations in our family's life change. It's only there. It's where we can truly enjoy the presence of God. God does not want us to be boring. God does not want us to sit in church and be like, da, 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 da. God wants us to be joyful and loving him and loving the life that he has given us. But it will only come if we stay connected. So as I finish, just a challenge for us all. Maybe you're at the beginning of your journey. I don't know. I know I don't know your stories. I don't know your life. Maybe you need to find some time to connect with God outside of a congregational setting. Maybe that hasn't in your routine. I urge you, if that is you, to find it into your habits, to find a time in your day that works for you, that can get that every single day. Actually, if I don't do it every day, I begin to notice because I'm not as nice. (laughs) Like, find that in your time. Maybe some of you have been doing this journey for a very long time. And you know God and you do lots of good things for God and you you serve lots of people. But God just wants you to return to your first love, where all of the focus was upon your relationship with Him. Maybe some of us are going through the pruning process and actually it's hard at the moment, it's really painful. I just feel God wants to say, carry on with it. Carry on. Even when you don't see it, I'm working. Or maybe some of us are at the point in our life where God is wanting to up the ante and begin to reveal his glory through us more. And he wants to commission you to bear great fruit. And whoever you are, just know that God is in control. Know that he's in control. The burden I woke up with this morning at half past five was not a horrible burden. It was almost like the Lord was just crying for his people crying for his people he cries over us the shortest verse in the bible is jesus wept jesus tears were shed over his people that were not believing in him over his friend that had died lazarus but actually god is here and god is in control and so yeah that's just what i felt sorry i overran but just what I felt today, and if anyone wants prayer at all, like, I can pray, other people can pray, I'm sure, Um, but just, yeah, it's an encouragement.